Father in heaven, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day that you've set aside for our rest, that we might worship and remember our Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done. We thank you for his saving work and also for his, the example of his life for us to follow. And we pray that we, as we continue to meditate on the Christian life, you might help us to face that life with a good will, to know that you are working through it for our good, that whatever comes to us comes from your fatherly hand. And so help us in these things, help us to think a right thought now about the, the Christian life, particularly as it comes to bearing our crosses in this life. So help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, as we talked about last time, Calvin's main principle for the Christian life is Matthew 16, 24, that if anyone would follow after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And so not surprisingly, we started with self-denial as part of the Christian life, but Calvin also says we have to pay attention to cross-bearing as a part of the Christian life and to think about cross-bearing um, and to think about what it means to bear the cross as Christ directed us. Because obviously we don't bear the cross in the exact same way that the Lord Jesus Christ bore the cross, but we can learn something from his cross-bearing in our own cross-bearing. So what does it mean to bear the cross? Well, Calvin says, those whom the Lord has chosen and honored with his fellowship must prepare for hard, laborious, troubled life, a life full of many and various kinds of evil, it being the will of our Heavenly Father to exercise His people in this way while putting them to the proof. Having begun this course with Christ the firstborn, He continues it toward all His children. Um, now, sometimes people accuse us, that's how you do Calvinist comfort, cheer up, things could be worse. Um, and it, it can be a kind of hard sell to say, you know, life is going to be hard. Um, but it's no better to tell people that life is going to be easy if you come to faith in Christ, only for them to find that that's not the case. And Calvin, I think, is so wise to say, it's the course God begins with his son as the firstborn. And so we shouldn't be surprised that he continues it with us, his children. Um, if it was for Christ to suffer, it will certainly be also for us to suffer. Um, and so from whom do these crosses come in our lives? Well, in a profound sense, they come from our Heavenly Father. They're not independent from His hand. Um, and that's something that we have to understand, try to work to understand before we are in the midst of suffering. Because when, it's in, when we're in the midst of suffering, it's very hard to learn these lessons. Um, and so I realize that I'm speaking to a crowd of people that I'm only now getting to know. And I know that some of you are experiencing suffering now. And this might be you know, a hard word to hear in the midst of suffering. Um, but crosses are something that all of God's people need to bear. We all will face difficulty in this life. And it is important for us to know that these do not come to us independently of God. They actually come to us from his fatherly hand. Um, and as hard as it is, it, it is for us at times to understand how this could come from the hand of a father who loves us, that is certainly the case. That was the case for our Lord. The cross came upon him from his father. He said often he came to do the will of his father. Um, and so that did not come independent of his father, and that's how it comes to us. And so sometimes we ask the question, why must we bear the cross? Um, surely, Lord, there's a better way than the cross. 
Um, why are we called to bear the cross in this life? Um, well, it's because it's through the cross that we learn obedience. And that was true not only, that's true not only for us, it was also true for Jesus. Um, the, the writer of Hebrews says something very remarkable in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, saying about Jesus, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Um, he learned obedience by what he suffered. Now that doesn't mean he was not perfect or that he somehow failed or that he, and, and that's important for us too, right? Jesus was perfect and he still suffered. And he still learned something by what he suffered. He learned better how to obey by what he suffered. Um, and so Calvin looks to that and says, as he passed to heavenly glory through a labyrinth of many woes, so we too are conducted there through various tribulations. Right? Paul said that in Acts 14.22, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Um, Philippians 3.10, he said, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Um, Cross-bearing is a part of the Christian life. It was part of Christ's life. It's a part of our life. Um, and Calvin says, how powerfully should it soften the bitterness of the cross to think that the more we are afflicted with adversity, the surer we are made of our fellowship with Christ by communion with whom our sufferings are not only blessed to us, but tend greatly to the furtherance of our salvation. Um, that, that the more we suffer, the more we see that fellowship that we have with Christ in his sufferings. And that's a, that's a wonderful relief to know that when we are suffering, we're not being abandoned by God or somehow being withdrawn from God, but we actually come into a closer fellowship with Christ because he understands what it is to suffer and to suffer in a way that we don't really understand. His suffering is far worse than our suffering. Um, and to realize that we are not abandoned in those moments, but it's actually in those moments that we are most like our Lord, that we understand something of what he understands in suffering. I mean, if, if the cross was necessary for our Lord, then certainly it's necessary for us. Now, sinners need crosses for different reasons than our Lord needed the cross. Um, because he never needed the cross on account of his sin or in any way relation to the sin, because God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Um, Jesus never suffers on account of sin, but sinners suffer for different reasons. Um, there are reasons God uses suffering in our lives. Um, sometimes, Calvin says, it's to humble our pride. Sometimes it's to humble our pride. We're prone to indulge, Calvin says, a stupid and empty confidence in the flesh as if our own faculties were sufficient without grace. Um, sometimes we become proud of thinking we're just fine on our own. Um, and sometimes the cross comes in, crosses come into our lives to rem remind us, actually, you're very frail. You're very dependent on God. Sometimes it comes to humble our pride and to remind us just how insufficient we are without God's grace. Sometimes that's why crosses come. Uh, and it always comes so that we will then put our trust and confidence in God. Right? He doesn't do these things to drive us away from him. 
Um, he does it to humble our pride that we might draw near to him. Right? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so his purpose in that is always to bring us back to himself in that, that we would realize how weak and limited we are and to recognize how much we need the Lord, that we would humble ourselves and draw near to him and find him drawing near to us. Um, so sometimes we need the, them for that reason. We can think of the example of David, where grace makes all the difference for him. Um, in Psalm 30, verses 6 and 7, he says, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Right? How, much, how many of us have had that experience? In our prosperity, we say, I shall never be moved. I'm doing just fine. Um, but David goes on to say, By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. Right? I was standing really strong until you just hid your face for a time. And then I was dismayed. Um, he was reminded of just how much he needed God's help. Um, and if David, a strong man of faith, was subject to that difficulty, um, how much more should we be aware of that kind of thing in our own lives? Um, so we need to make progress in humility in the Christian life. I remember hearing R.C. Sproul say once, uh, humble yourself or God will do it. Um, and you really don't want him to have to do it. Um, and so when you are proud, you make God an adversary, and he need not be, because God opposes the proud. Um, but he gives grace to the humble. So we should humble ourselves and realize just how much we need God's grace and protection and know that we will find it when we humble ourselves and he draws near to us. Um, and so Calvin says, it's surely plain how necessary it is for us to bear the cross. It is not of little importance to be rid of your self-love and be made fully conscious of your weakness so as to transfer your confidence to God, reclining on him with such heartfelt confidence as to trust in his aid and continue invincible to the end, standing by his grace so as to perceive that he is true to his promises and so assured of the certainty of his promises to be strong in hope. Uh, we need that for ourselves and crosses help us in that. And that's why he says there's an advantage to the cross. The Lord never sends crosses on us to bear us down. It's always for our advantage. What does the scripture say is produced through the things we suffer? Well, the advantages of the cross are patience, uh, hope, firm confidence in God. Patience can be tested, but when it's tested, endurance is what comes. Um, we're taught by our crosses to live according to the will of God. We're called, taught by our crosses to be trained up in obedience like our own. Um, and he sometimes does it to make visible the virtues that are in us. Right? Sometimes we go through difficulties in our life, and maybe even times we look back at those difficulties, and we say, I don't know how I ever managed to make it through. Um, it, was, it was so hard, um, and yet here I am. And the Lord is still with me. And the Lord is still upholding me. Um, and it shows that he said you had endurance. And during that trial when you thought, no, I don't. I can't make it under this. What God showed you was, yes, you can. Because I am with you and I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Sometimes it makes the virtues that God has made in us visible to us when we suffer under the cross. So sometimes it's necessary for those reasons. Calvin says sometimes it's necessary to subdue our sinful flesh. 
that sometimes we need discipline, not indulgence. Um, right? You, you parents know that about your children, that they don't always need indulgence. Sometimes they need discipline. And if all they ever get is indulgence, they will turn out to be monsters. Right? And, and no one likes discipline. Everyone always says, I'd rather not have discipline. And maybe when you were a child or when you had children and discipline was about to come, they would try to convince you they didn't need discipline, that they learned and they don't need punishing. Um, but you had to still follow through with that because they actually did need to learn that through discipline. You kids remember that. Sometimes you do need to learn by discipline. Um, that indulgence isn't always the best way to learn things. Um, the sinful flesh is unruly, Calvin says. If you give it an inch, it'll take a mile. Um, and so it, it needs that, that, that arresting. Um, it needs to be reined in. Um, and that can be a hard thing for us to face. Um, and that's why we all face different crosses. Um, because some of us face crosses to remedy current spiritual problems. Some of us face crosses that it might prevent us from experiencing another kind of sin and difficulty. Sometimes they are preventative in that regard. Sometimes they're the result of a prior disease. Sometimes the crosses we bear are the scars of old sins, um, that while they are forgiven, we still bear the, the evidences of them. Um, and these are all realities of our crosses. Now, that's not recommending to us that anytime we suffer, we try to figure out what disease is God trying to prevent here? Or where did I go wrong? What did I do to deserve this? Um, I don't think Calvin is encouraging us to play that game. Um, you know, I think there are some crosses we understand where they come from, right? If you go out and get drunk and then wrap your car around a telephone pole, you shouldn't go to God in prayer and say, how could this have happened to me? Um, you know how it's happened to you and what's come as a consequence is very obviously flowing from the sin. Um, but there, that doesn't mean in every part of our lives we will understand why our crosses come to us, that we will understand what God is doing through the crosses that we suffer. But what we can know for certain is that he has a purpose he's accomplishing in them. And he has a purpose in it for our good, even if we can't see how this could possibly be for our good from a fatherly hand. Um, and sometimes that is because discipline is unpleasant when you're going through it. Um, you know, you could try to explain to a child when they're being disciplined, now this is really for your good. Um, but all the child is going to think is, I don't want to go on timeout, or I don't want to be spanked. I don't really care if it's for my good or not. I'm trying to avoid the problem. Um, and we can do the same thing in the Christian life. God, I don't care what you're doing. Just don't do it. Um, remove this from me. Um, and sometimes God is saying, no, I have the reason for doing this, and it's a for your good. Right? Um, and kids, you can know this, that when you get older, sometimes you look back on the discipline your parents did and you say, yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of out of pocket on that and I needed to be corrected. And they had kind of had a point. Um, sort of like Mark Twain said, you know, when I was 14, my dad was a fool. Once I got to 21, it was amazing how much he learned. Um, <laughs> you know, that's more to the point, of, you know, he stopped being a fool and understood his father knew what he's talking about. But what we have to keep in our mind is what, for whatever reason the crosses come on us, God can tell us the reasons they do. Um, but whatever the reason that our particular cross is being borne by us, it is always for our good. We are being disciplined, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. 
We are being disciplined because we have a father who loves us. Um, And parents who love their children discipline them so that they don't become monsters, so that they don't run off the rails. I remember when I was a kid, there, there was a kid who lived across the street from us and he, he could ride his bike whenever he wanted and he never had to be inside and he never had to do anything. And I, and I always looked at him and thought, that's the life, man. He does whatever he wants to do and there's nobody, um, there's nobody ever checking on him. He does his own thing. And it wasn't until I grew up that I realized it was because his parents didn't care about him. He was out doing whatever he wanted because his parents couldn't take the time to parent him. Um, And so what I saw as a kid, as this great freedom, as I grew older, I thought, that's really sad, actually, because he had no one who cared enough to know that a kid shouldn't be out riding his bike in the middle of the night. Right? The discipline is a sign that we're loved, that God cares how we turn out, Um, that he's not just going to let us go to do whatever comes in our mind to do to our own wreck and ruin, but he disciplines those he loves. Um, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Right? If, if you're loved, you're disciplined. Um, and the father's discipline on us is a sign that he loves us and wants to produce righteousness in us. That's what the cross is for in the Christian life as well, that we be disciplined not just for sin, but for righteousness' sake. Right? We always say that discipline is not just always negative. Right? It's not always timeouts and spankings and other kinds of things. Discipline is the stuff you do positively all the time with, with children in particular. The things you say over and over again, the things you do positively to try to discipline. It's not always just punishment that's discipline. It's also the positive things to create the kind of people you want them to be. Right? Um, to be polite, to be the kind of person, the kind of citizen, the kind of neighbor that you want to see people be, the kind of loving Christian you want to see people be. Um, and that's why it's a delight to parents when they see their children behaving in that way. Um, because they, they see that the righteousness they were hoping for has been produced, right? Then the discipline has had a share in that. So crosses are not just come onto us because of our sin, but also for righteousness' sake. Um, Calvin says there is great honor in suffering for righteousness' sake. Um, not just to produce righteousness, but when we were behaving righteously and we suffer for it. Because that's also why crosses come on our lives. Not just to produce righteousness, um, but also because of righteousness. Jesus suffered, even though he perfectly loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he loved everybody he came across as himself. And what did the world do? They hated him. Right? And that's why, that, that's why you can rightly say of Jesus, they hated me without a cause. Because the only thing he ever did was love people. And they hated him for it. Um, and the, the servant is not greater than the master, right? If, if they hated Jesus, they'll hate us. And they'll hate us sometimes for righteousness sake. And Calvin says in those moments, you have to remember there's no higher honor than suffering for righteousness sake. He says, how high the honor which God bestows upon us in distinguishing us by the special badge of his soldiers. Um, 
when, when you suffer with him, you show a sign that you belong to him. Uh, that you're willing to suffer for his cause. Um, and that's a distinguishing mark for Christians. Um, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, even in our country, we're witnessing that it's becoming more costly to be a Christian. Um, I don't think anyone is any, actually any more Christian than they used to be. They're just more open about not being Christian and more openly hostile towards Christianity. And so I think we're going to be called on to suffer for righteousness' sake in, in these coming generations in a way previous generations didn't have to. Um, you know, Dr. Clark used to tell, at seminary, used to tell the story of, you know, he wasn't allowed to go outside and play on Sunday mornings because his parents didn't want his neighbor, their neighbors knowing they didn't go to church on Sunday mornings. And Dr. Clark said, but we don't go to church on Sunday morning." He said, yeah, but we don't want to broadcast to the whole world we're not at church on Sunday morning. Um, so they didn't really care about the things of the Lord, right? They just cared about what people would think if they weren't in church. Um, well, that's gone. Nobody, nobody worries that you'll think they're not going to church anymore. Um, and I think it will, we're going to be called in our age to suffer in a different way. Um, and that's a badge of belonging to Christ. Um, that's not something we should be ashamed of, to suffer for righteousness' sake. Um, Calvin says, if we are deprived of our goods by the wickedness of man, we are no doubt, humanly speaking, reduced to poverty. But in truth, our riches in heaven are increased. If driven from our homes, we have a more welcome reception into the family of God. If vexed and despised, we are more firm, firmly rooted in Christ. If stigmatized by disgrace and humiliation, we have a higher place in the kingdom of God. And if we are slain, entrance is thereby given us to eternal life. The Lord, having set such a price on us, let us be ashamed to estimate ourselves at less than the shadowy and fleeting allurements of the present life. Um, I remember distinctly a sermon he wrote about suffering where he, he said, you know, if, if you could avoid burning at the stake to deny the Lord and you bought yourself 20 years of life by doing that, would it be worth the price? that you had to pay. Right, and this is, not, this is not speculative, right? He was talking in a world where people were dying for the Lord like this all the time. Where people who graduated the Institute in Calvin used to say that their diploma was their death certificate because they were going out to preach the gospel and die for it. That was not a cheap consideration for him. It was a reality of the world in which they lived. And he said, would it be worth it to buy it at that price? And obviously, it's clear when you sort of put it in those terms, it wouldn't be worth it. No matter how much life you bought at the price of denying the Lord who would not deny you, it wouldn't be worth it at that price. Um, and therefore, we should, in any way we're called to suffer, strive to willingly and cheerfully receive these things as from the hand of the Lord. That's hard. That's really hard. Um, it makes me marvel at the people in Acts 5 who are beaten for the sake of the gospel and go away rejoicing. Right, Acts 5.41, they rejoiced in being counted worthy to suffer for his name. Um, in one sense, everything we're called to suffer in this life is for his name. 
But not all of it is directly because we're Christians or directly because we profess the name of Christ. But we sometimes, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our cross, in the midst of our trial, will say, why doesn't, the God, why doesn't God relieve me of this? Or we cry out, come Lord Jesus, because we know that will put an end to it all. That there will be no more suffering and no more tears anymore, and the former things will pass away. And we say, come Lord Jesus. Well, why doesn't he come? Well, because he has more people to gather. Because there are Lydia's of Thyatira that need to be gathered in. There are closed hearts that need to be opened yet. And so there's a profound sense in which all we are called to suffer in this life, all the reason we continue to go through the things that we suffer is because time goes on for the sake of those other Christians that need to be brought in. We are suffering now for their sakes. Because we know that come Lord Jesus is a great relief to all those who belong to him. And come Lord Jesus is a terrible word for all those who don't know him. Because that, in that moment, the day of salvation is over. And the great and terrible day of judgment has come. And who can stand before him when he comes? Right, And so in a profound sense, when we're called to suffer and Jesus is not coming back, we're suffering for the sake of the kingdom. We're suffering because the kingdom still needs to be built. Because it's not yet time for us to reach an end of our sorrows because Christ has not yet reached the end of those who he's calling in. He still is gathering sheep. Um, and so we're suffering while he does that. And in, in that time, we shouldn't be surprised that it's a time of suffering for the people of God. Um, Peter says that, right? First Peter 4, 12 to 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. It doesn't mean that these things are not painful, right? There's no magic. It's not really pain. You should rejoice, right? There's no cheap word there. Peter's not saying that suffering doesn't hurt. What Peter is asking us to do is lift up our eyes to Jesus and recognize what suffering represents. Um, it represents that we are loved. It represents we are part of Christ. It represents that God is not abandoning us. It represents the fact that we have a God in heaven who cares for us. And that when we withstand what we are suffering, when we go through it, when we, when we last against it, when our faith remains, even though it's been tested by severe fire, it can build bold confidence in God's people. Because when the fear of the Lord takes priority over everything else, that's how you can say with Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Right? We go into a refining fire and come out more pure. Um, we don't get destroyed by the things that we suffer because the Lord is with us. And so when we bear the cross patiently, it's not to be stoics, to try to pretend we're insensitive to the pain, that we're not really feeling the pain or that the pain is not really painful. That is not the example that Christ showed us. 
Right? He showed us the example that pain hurts. And when his friend died, he wept. Even though he was about to raise him from the dead, he wept. And he wept not only because he saw what it did to his friend, he saw what it did to his friend's family. He saw what it did to his friend's loved ones. And he felt their pain and he wept. Right? It doesn't mean he was insensitive to pain. We see that also in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he knows the pain that's coming. And he prays with great agony. He prays more earnestly, Luke twenty-two forty-four, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And he said my, to his friends, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Watch and pray with me. Jesus was never insensitive to pain or pretending that the pain didn't really hurt. He experienced real grief under the cross. But he bore it patiently and he endured it. And he was even able to despise it because he had an eye for what was coming after it. Um, and that really is how we endure the cross in the Christian life is by having an eye for the future for what the suffering produces and for what the suffering gives way to. Suffering does not last forever. Right? So, sometimes that's the best comfort you can give to somebody is it won't hurt forever. Right? And it sounds like, well, thanks a lot, Pastor. That was really, that's really comforting. Um, but we know, right, if you, if you told people it'll be okay, that wouldn't be any better. There are some pains that don't go away in this life. They might dull over time, but they don't leave you. Right? You bear it. Um, and you'll bear it for the rest of your life. But it will go away after a while. There is a future hope that's coming. That suffering gives way. Right? And, we, and we see that in the life of our Lord and in his death. Right? There was extreme suffering, the likes of which we've never understood, but it reached a breaking point where he could say, it's finished. It's finished. The sufferings we suffer in this life will reach that point by the grace of God where we'll be able to say it one day, it's finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Um, they reach a limit in this life. The grief is real, and it will hurt. And it doesn't do any good to pretend it won't. Calvin said, Adversity will have its bitterness and sting us. When afflicted with disease, we shall groan and be disquieted and long for health. When pressed with poverty, we shall feel the stings of anxiety and sadness. We shall feel the pain of shame, contempt, and injury. We will pay the tears due to nature at the death of our friends. But our conclusion will always be, The Lord so willed it, Therefore, let us follow his will. This thought will incline us cheerfully to endure the things for which we are afflicted. If we get to that point of saying, the Lord has willed it, and I know who has willed it, and that he wants good for me, and that this will one day break in the future. And so the thing when we're bearing our cross is to remember that it is God's will for us that he might bring good through it. And if we are ever caught, we ever have caused to doubt that, 
think back to the cross of Christ and say, here is the worst suffering that was ever suffered. Um, and did good come out of it? I hope we can all say who believe in Christ that good came out of his suffering. And not just for us, but for him. Right? He's passed beyond suffering. It's not suffering that follows us all our lives. It's goodness and mercy that follows us all our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's God's will to try us for our good, and whatever comes, comes from God's hand. Again, that doesn't make it easy. But it's a crucial thing for us to understand when difficulty comes upon us. That it doesn't come to us apart from God. It comes from him that he might bring good through it. Um, and that we do so meditating on that future life. Um, and so, unfortunately, we don't have time to get into the future life as much as we should uh, on the tail end of this, but we will next time. Um, but when we suffer, Calvin says, our Heavenly Father consoles us by the assurance that in the very cross with which he afflicts us, he provides for our salvation. The effect of these thoughts is that to whatever extent our minds are contracted by the bitterness which we naturally feel under the cross, to the same extent will they be expanded with spiritual joy. Hence arises thanksgiving which cannot exist unless joy be felt. Um, the joy of knowing that God has a purpose in this. This is not to afflict me, but to build me up. Um, it's hard to see with foresight in this life, often, how the grief is producing the good. Um, but I think when we reach heaven, and we have that spiritual ability to look back at our lives, we'll be able to say, surely the Lord brought all of these things to build me up and not to bear me down. Um, I'll sort of end with this. I, I shared James on suffering with um, the first member of the congregation, Torrance, that we lost while I was pastor. Um, and I was able to share it with him shortly before he died um, that James produces, these sufferings produce patience, they produce endurance, they produce these things. And we were able to talk about that. And you know, he was in the midst of that suffering and agreed that that was true. Um, and that was encouraging for me to know that I didn't have to try to talk him into it. Uh, that he was a godly man who knew that it was true. But one of the things that we, we talked about together was essentially what James says is, it's a bitter medicine that we have to take. It's a bitter pill that we have to swallow in this life from God. But what God does is he hands it to us and says, do you want to be well? And we sometimes say to God, don't you have something that tastes a little better? Does it really have to be so bitter? And he says back to us, do you want to be well? This is the way you get well. Um, and so remember that, Christian, in life when we suffer, when God hands us a bitter pill, it might be very bitter. We might be tempted to say, isn't there something better? Isn't there a better way? But our Lord always says back to us, this will make you well. Do you want to be well? Um, and then maybe we'd be willing to receive it as hard as it is with thanksgiving to know we are not abandoned but cared for by a Father who loves us. Um, and so the Christian life has to understand that about cross-bearing, and then we have to look to our future hope. And so we'll talk more about the future hope 
next week, Lord willing. Um, so sorry to leave you with the cross. Um, I wish I could, could sell it better, but I think it's something crucial that we understand in the Christian life. Um, so that's where I wanted to stop. We have about five minutes for questions. So does anybody have a question? Yes. Well, you know, I, I, think, I think what you're saying is right in terms of if we suffer, that that's part of living in a fallen world. That's true. Um, and do, things do come to us because we live in a fallen world. Um, so I, I don't think that's a wrong thing to say to someone. But you do want to get, I think, in the reflex of saying, and this, this too is from our Father's hand, um, you know, the, the catechism is very helpful on that when it goes through providence, that, you know, rain or drought, good years, bad years, bad things, good things, they all come from God's fatherly hand. Um, and that, what that helps us to do then is to be patient when we're facing adversity. It helps us to be thankful when we're facing prosperity, right? We don't want to be so consumed with the cross that we think God never sends us anything good, um, because that's certainly not the case. But we need more help, I think, when things go bad. It's, it's a lot easier for us in, adverse, in prosperity to be thankful. Um, it's harder in adversity to be patient. Um, but we have a good hope for the future. So I do think it's important. I think that's true, what you say is true, that we live in a fallen world, you know, so there, there's, there's sometimes that's what it amounts to, um, is that we live in a fallen world. And I don't want to be in the business of, now that I've told you the reason, some of the reasons crosses come on us, that every cross you face, you're trying to put it in a category. Because we're bad at exegeting providence. Um, and God knows what he's doing. So God knows what he's producing in you. Because that can be a terrible thing because you begin to think that things are happening, bad, bad things are happening to you because you have a sin that needs correcting. And that can be a, a, a sort of poisonous place to be if you think that every cross comes on you because there's some sin in your life that God is trying to root out. Sometimes that is, but usually when God does that, he makes it very clear you know, a clear connection like I'm talking about. You know, you crash into a tree and you break your leg because you're driving drunk. You can't say, why me, God? You know, you, you did that, and the, the suffering is clearly connected to the wrongdoing. Um, but when it's not so clear for us, I think we should be careful about making those connections. Um, but, but the truth of Scripture is, whatever evil God sends upon us in this life, he only sends it on us because he can turn it to our good. Thomas Watson said he would not send evil things on us if he could not bring good through it. Any, any bad thing that he could not turn to our good, he would not allow it to befall us. Um, and we have to live with that certainty. Yeah. So it's always good to remember Joseph's example. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. And the same thing is true of the death of Christ. You can think of all the people who meant it for evil. Pilate had his own evil motive. Pharisees had their own evil motive. They all had evil motives. And none of the evil they wanted actually, actually took place. God used the death of Christ to actually turn all that around. And he brought his son back to life. All the things that evil they wanted were frustrated. And the goodwill of God was done. And so that shows us in that greatest of evils that God is able to take the greatest of evils and turn it around and bring good out of it. But yeah, Joseph's point, right? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good and for the saving of many lives. Yeah. Um, and so God's purpose always shines through. 
Right. Well, that's the time we have. Um, so we'll pray, and then if you have children, please collect them. And if you don't and want to ask me another question, you can. Okay? Uh, so let's uh, close our time with prayer. Father, it's a tough thing for us to recognize that self-denial and cross-bearing go together in this life, that we like to persuade ourselves that we could do just fine without the crosses that we're called to bear, um, that there's not obedience that can only be learned through suffering. But may we look to the lesson of our Lord Jesus Christ and know that if he could learn obedience through suffering, then certainly we can. And help us in the midst of those difficult times in life where we are pressed down by the cross that we're called to bear, that we remember that it comes to us from, our, from your fatherly hand and that whatever burden you call us to bear, you will also strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to bear it. That you never put crosses on us to bear us down and destroy us, but also always so that we might be strengthened through it. And just as a child, when he or she is being disciplined, does not always recognize the fatherly hand behind it or the loving mother who's behind it, Um, Help us, Lord, to recognize that when you discipline us, it's because you love us. Help us not to be weary of your reproof, but to know that it's meant for our salvation and for building us up, that we might not be condemned with the world. And that you discipline us because you love us. Lord, help us to bear it well. Help us when we suffer for righteousness' sake to rejoice that we're worthy to be counted, uh, worthy to suffer for your name that we find joy and thanksgiving not in the pain, but in the glory the pain produces. And would you help us to think about that future hope when the pain will be over and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So fill us with the hope of that future to sustain the present, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.